0: Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Crowell, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? So whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Welcome everybody to Unleashing Your Great Work. I am so excited today. I have comedian and writer Lauren Hope Crass. She got her start in comedy in the beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina. There, she performed improv and stand-up regularly at Theater 99 and all over the city. Her material ranges from the ridiculous to the brutally honest. Her self-deprecating humor combined with a dash of charm creates a unique perspective relevant to any audience, including this one. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hey. How's it going? (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here. So we're going to start where we always start, Lauren. Tell us a little bit about your great work. That would be my clay pots. I'm kidding. Um, I think it is
1: my stand-up comedy and my writing, Mm -hmm. or at least I hope it is. (laughs) I've been working on it for 10 years now, so hopefully that's the um, correct great work. (laughs)
0: Well, it's all great work. What have you been working on for 10 years? Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, so I just had 10 years doing stand up comedy. Um, I've been doing it professionally for. Um, maybe like the last five years, but full-time mm. for the past three months. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's a big time for me right now. And, you know, I've done it before, like in 2018, I took a swing at mm. the whole quit my job. Let's go for it thing. It didn't work out. Wasn't my time. Mm. Um, but here we go again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, and this time it's, uh, the timing, the timing feels right. Um, yeah. Tell me what feels different about the timing. I think I'm different now. I think, I think the pandemic really made clear people's priorities. We had tons of time to soul search. I just, the pressure's kind of off in a weird Mm. way. Like I know now it seems like the pressure's on because I work for myself and I got bills to pay, but, um, I just kind of switched to an abundance mindset and I just knew that I couldn't miss what's for me. And if I do like, screw it. Like mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it's like what I love to do. And I realized the only, the only thing in my way was me, which is a really uh, horrible yet liberating yeah. realization to yeah. have. <laughs> and so ever since I kind of had this surrender moment um, it's just, it's worked out. I, you know, it's, my voice is more honed as a comedian. I obviously have more experience. I have more connections. Mm-hmm. I have more confidence. So, I mean, I think it's a blessing that I haven't really popped off yet because I, I wouldn't have been ready, you know, mm-hmm. if I, not if, when I pop yes. off, <laughs> um, I'm going to be a fully formed me and ready to go and and say my message and say my jokes and be myself. Yeah. So it's just, it feels more, like the right time is now.
0: Can you tell us, like you said that you had a realization, like, can you tell us about the turning point? Like what was there a, was there a moment? Was there an interaction? Was there just a realization? Like, what was it that helped you step into your full self? And what did you call it? Switch to an abundance mindset. So the, the moments are kind
1: of hard to describe because it's a, it's like a, It's like a long time coming kind of thing. Um, I will say there was one crystallizing moment where um, I used to work for Harry's. I'm allowed to say that, I think. Um, (laughs) I worked on the customer experience team. Super cute job. I was remote, part-time. I mean, the pay was incredible. um, And it's got me through the pandemic. And even before that, everyone would come to my shows. Super cute job, great job. Mm -hmm. And I was at work on my laptop in December, and I heard a voice in my head say, "You don't work here anymore." Oh, it's. <laughs> I mean, not like a voice in a microphone. Like I'm not insane, um, but just like it just popped into my. I get. Yeah, it, I get these. It was I was open to, to it. I had a message come. You know, oh, it's yeah. like your intuition, your gut. It's real. Um, when that becomes unblocked, you can kind of hear things.
0: Yeah. And
1: when you respond, the universe kind of like, pay pays attention to that and will go from there you know Mm -hmm. so I quit my job with no gigs booked wow (laughs) and then January 8th is my last day and then for February um without even trying I was ready to like do all these spreadsheets do all this stuff and then without even trying one of my old agents reached out and booked me for so much work um (laughs) for that month of February it was like almost six thousand dollars in gigs for February oh I'm here I did did it it. (laughs) Um, I even just got I got an audition for this. Uh I don't think I'm actually supposed to say what it's for. It's for an airline. Uh On camera work for an airline. Yep. And I actually forgot to submit for it and they still picked me. So like, I'm, I'm like vibrating super high right now. I'm yeah. just, I'm just like, yeah, I jumped off the cliff and I'm trusting.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, I mean, I did build up savings over COVID. So, you know, don't, I don't want to inspire anybody to like lose their home right. <laughs> or
0: anything. Right. But so if you, if you could describe what your message is, what your, you know, tell us what, do, what kind of jokes do you make? What, what are you sort of focused on?
1: Uh. So. I guess so I have my little flyer here. I know this is audio only. I'll read it for everybody. Um, when I, just, it's when I did... just
0: so you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> when I did um, the APCA conference with Amanda, we had to have these little flyers to give out. And so on my flyer it says comedian Lauren Hope Crass. And there's a big sticker on the front. It says body positive feminist comic. Right. Um, which is true, yeah. but that's kind of the clean way I package it for people. Uh-huh. It's Tell us really, the real way. The, yeah, the real. So the body positivity is more of like a Trojan horse. And inside of the Trojan horse is uh, fat liberation, fat activism, fat positivity. That's mm-hmm. stuff that's not quite mainstream yet that people are still weird about. And they're like, mm-hmm. but shouldn't we not promote obesity? And I'm like, okay, that's not a thing. Also, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... It really is about, like, I don't know how, now I'm just bragging. I don't know how I do it because my comedy is, is universal for a lot of people, but it also has a very specific message for fat women. And that what message is, that message? Yeah. is yeah. um, like, bitch, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fabulous. Society is literally crazy live your best life kind of, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know it sounds like, well, that's not funny. You've, you've seen my act. I somehow make it funny, you know, like it's, it's in there, you know, and using humor and comedy to kind of slowly get into people's brains. Like Mm -hmm. fat does not equal bad. And fat is not even a bad word, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's funny. I'll go on stage and I'll do this, like, Powerful fat positive material, and then a comic will come on stage and they'll they'll do these like self deprecating like fat jokes like oh I just can't get my COVID weight off and like and nobody's laughing they bomb I (laughs) love it I (laughs) love it when people do bad fat jokes after me because the audience is already like activated
0: (laughs) they're already on my side yeah and why is this so important to you like why is that what you're sort of drawn to do I mean I'm a fat girl I
1: always have been and you know. Are everything imagine growing up in a world where everybody tells you you're wrong you yeah. know it's yeah. you know there's already things that as women we get the thing is fighting diet culture and fat phobia is good for all women like that's true we eating disorders comes in all shape and sizes mm-hmm. but like fat activism is needed mostly like <laughs> it, it's it's more dangerous to fat people. So like the safety that's needed, like loving my body, isn't going to give me better medical care or, mm. or it's not going to stop someone from kicking me off of a plane. Cause they don't want to sit mm. next to a fat part, you know? So like, is that a thing that happens? Yeah. You can legally like fat people have been kicked off planes before and not refunded. They've missed funerals. Um, my own doctor recommends invasive surgery when I go in just for checkups um, it's very dangerous. It's also legal to um, fire someone for body size in 48 states. It's not a protected what? status. Yeah. So it's wow. like body positivity is great, but the behind the scenes of my whole thing is is kind of radical.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck the system. Are you allowed to say fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I will mark this as explicit. And now you can say whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of response do you get from audiences? Are, is the audience picking up what you are putting down? Do you feel?
1: Yeah, they are now they are now. And I, I had to kind of figure it out very quickly. Um, I think one of the biggest struggles starting out, cause I was, I was a i one fe- well, still a female comic, but I was a female <laughs> comic in the South. I started in South Carolina mm-hmm. and so South Carolina, Wow, that was Southern South Carolina. Yeah, you brought it, (laughs) yeah. I heard it. (laughs) Southern audiences don't want to hear a female comic talk about body size. They don't, Um, Mm. but that's my experience. Those were my jokes. So I had to adapt fast um, because what you have to fight are those, oh, you know, oh, you're not this. You're mm, pretty. I want to tell you it's okay. And it's like, no, 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 this is my voice. I'm fine. I have a microphone. So I had to like, I had to get my confidence up fast because the audience can smell it. Mm. You know, like a guy can just go up and tell like a self-deprecating joke about his body size or I'm not getting laid or whatever. And it's fine, you know, all oh, don't talk about that. It's it, There's a lot more challenges When it comes to a woman in comedy, not to mention like a fat woman in comedy who wants to talk about it. So I had to kind of get with the program real fast.
0: Yeah. Yep. I bet. So what kinds of things did you have to do to, to make it land and be. Audiences are
1: smart. You just, I just had to work on my confidence, like therapy. Ah, um, I would look at my joke structure. I would think, am I the butt of the joke or a society, the butt of the joke. Mm. I did have that transition kind of happen a couple years ago. When I say a couple, I mean like maybe the past three years. Mm-hmm. I should update my bio. It says I have self-deprecating humor, but I really don't anymore. It's very powerful humor.
0: Nice. I kind of
1: switched it. I switched mm-hmm. it up to make sure I wasn't the butt of the joke and that that helped a lot.
0: Wow. So if, if a person has this kind of sort of agenda, there are lots of ways that they could go out and sort of make a difference, right? They could start nonprofits and they could speak earnestly from the (laughs) state or, you know, what is it that drew you to comedy as a means of working through this or acting in this space? I have always loved performing. Um, I
1: think I think I'm in a, I'm a bleh, I think I am a natural performer, even though I can't talk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, You're doing great. When, uh, like, even when I was, as soon as I could walk, like, if there's a picture of me at a restaurant um, mm-hmm. where the band took a break and I, like, walked up to the stage and picked up the microphone and toddled around in my little toddler dress. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to put on shows in elementary school, at the playground, like, I just love performing um, and humor was a big coping mechanism for me growing up and as an adult Mm -hmm. I also love writing put those three together stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. interesting how
0: did you start how did you get started in this space
1: so I was just taking improv classes and then my um, my classmates always went to this open mic after class and it's not a very good story I just wanted to try it but then like I said, those, those three factors of like humor, coping mechanism. I like writing. I'm a perform. I mean, it all came together and I had beginner's luck. My first open mic went really great. And then it got mm. hard for a long time, but like my first time was, mm. was
0: really good. And I was like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, before we came on, you were saying that you were doing other projects too. So what, what else are you doing creatively it sounds like oh yeah I i'm trying I to change the world over
1: here i have a pilot a tv pilot, pilot. it's called fat with standards it's Ugh. done a couple <laughs> yeah <laughs> i it's from a song that I, I don't even know if the title makes sense for the show i should probably change it <sighs> um but i used to write i have a cabaret show as well where i had some original music in it and fat with standards is one of the songs
0: yeah
1: um and i was like oh yeah it's catchy i'm just gonna name my pilot that um, it's just about four fat best friends in New York city. I don't want to say it's fat sex in the city, but it kind of is, uh-huh, right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, let, let's get some body diversity on television. It's yeah. not a preachy show, but it's like, just look at these women being living fabulous lives or struggling, you know, being people. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing, if this comes out before May 14th, there will be a stage reading of it at the pit <gasps> loft. So I've nice um, got a really good director signed on. Her name is Adrienne Lovett. She's amazing. And I've got a whole cast of actors. We're going to do off book. It's going to be like theater.
0: I'm going to play the
1: lead for the first time. I'm going to try on my, my actor's hat. So it's like writing, acting, not directing. Luckily I hired somebody for that, but.
0: yeah, How did this come together? Like how does something like that happen? You wrote the script and then how do you end up on a stage in New York city with actors off book?
1: Oh my god! I always wanted to write for television. I was just—it's one of those things where stand up is, stand up is, wow, this is not relatable. But for me, stand up is easier. Stand up is something I can do all by myself. I'm good yeah. at it, and everybody says, "Wow, good job!" And I'm like, "Okay, that's enough." But TV writing and collaboration, mm-hmm. like that stuff, has always really excited me.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, I took a class with the Barrow Group. It's a really good writing school in New York City. Um, January, 2021. Mm -hmm. And I worked with that teacher in a group of students through like September. And throughout that time we created, or I created that with standards, Mm -hmm. um, with my teacher's help. And then I submitted it to film festivals. Very easy. You just Google film festivals, submit your script, pay a small fee, and then you get in or you don't. I got into two. I won an award at one of them. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And then I decided I wanted to do a reading. So I posted a casting call on uh, Actors Access and cast my actors. Did a reading a couple months ago. And now I'm going to do another one where I'm going to play Jackie, who's the lead. The last time I just watched with my writer's hat. On, but now I'm like, I want to figure I wrote the role for myself because there's again, there's not a lot of roles for fat women in television, and I wrote the perfect part for me. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm gonna test it out. Tell us about Jackie. Jackie is loosely based on myself. She is a stand-up comedian. Um, she (laughs) she's a little bit more, she's a little bit more messed up than me, though, because it's a pilot, right? She's gotta Mm -hmm. have room to grow, she's obsessed with like this loser guy who's no good, who who thinks he's better than she is, but really she's better than he is, you know? Right. Um, right. And she gets presented with this like very exciting opportunity, but it requires like turning her back on everything she believes in. Um, and she has a lot of hard choices to make um, mm-hmm. in that episode. But yeah, she's a great friend. She's got a nice friend group. It's a little aspirational because um, I feel like, fat people don't really find a community because a lot of fat people see it as a transient state. They're like, we're going to lose weight. I don't want to connect into this, but it's like body diversity is a real thing. A lot of people are just naturally bigger. And right. it's like, where's our community? Like, let's get rid of the shame and let's be friends and go to brunch. And mm-hmm. so it's a little aspirational in that way.
0: Yeah. Well, I love shows where <clears throat> I, I truly do appreciate it when the disabled person is not the disabled person in the show. They're just yeah, the yeah. Person in the show, right? And see the same thing where it's like, can we just have people, right? Yeah, who are also um, insert whatever category you're interested in. Exactly. Yeah, I
1: think I think maybe the first couple episodes, or maybe even the whole season, might accidentally be a little preachy because it's even in the title, "Fat Was Standards." Mm-hmm. Like it's a thing we need to talk about. But I think eventually. You just, you're watching the show and you don't even, you don't even care or think about the fact that all these characters you're really excited about and invested in are all plus eyes, you know? hmm
0: hmm yeah. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out The Great Work Community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses check out the great work community. The link is in the show notes. So you've mentioned it a little bit, but I'm curious like if you could think about it and tell us some more, like what are the challenges of bringing this message to the world through comedy, through TV, through all the different ways that you do?
1: I feel like I don't want to jinx myself with the challenges that will come with film and television. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for comedy, getting people to believe that you're confident is a huge thing. Like I said, Mm -hmm. um, also sometimes with the audience, there will be, you know, plus size audience members who are not on board with the message they do. They're on that diet Kool-Aid, which is Mm -hmm. fine. It's, it's everybody's body, everybody's choice. We live in a culture that makes it almost impossible to not, have that in our in our brains but it can be it's a huge culture clash thing mm-hmm. when i bring certain things up but for stand up it's really i can really make the medicine go down with sugar because mm-hmm. there's a punchline mm-hmm. every so often so nobody's really sitting there angry yeah. If for, for something widespread on TV, though, I can only imagine the struggles that would come with that. There'd be so many think pieces about how I'm promoting obesity and I, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. And, you know, and I think the challenge would just have to be to keep my head in my lane and to know who the show is for and who it isn't for mm-hmm. and to not stress out about, oh, my God, I have to make these people understand. It's like, no, you don't. There, all these people over here love it and need it. That's Mm -hmm. who you're going to focus on. So Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the main (laughs) struggle if, and when this TV show ever happens.
0: Yeah. It sounds very similar to the struggle that you described prior to kind of going all in in your business. You know, it's like I, somehow you have to be the force, the vector, the source, the, Mm -hmm. the purity of what it is you're doing in order for it to stay on track. Because I have yeah. to imagine. You can't,
1: you can't go into it unsure. Mm. Why? What happens? You, well, you, because the entertainment business is terrible. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that. Even people higher up in the business would agree with me that it is unfair, unrewarding. Mm. If you don't love your message. If you don't love what you're doing, don't do it. (laughs) Like, don't put yourself through what could be like the hardest time of your life. Yeah. But the joy that's on the other end of it, if there's like a real meat to what you're doing, like there's a real meat to my comedy. I'm not doing stand-up comedy just because I love live performance. That's a big part of it. But I I feel like I really believe in my message and mm-hmm. I guess a lot of it is live performance. I love I love that. Mm-hmm. Um and it's that love that kind of makes all the shitty parts worth it.
0: Uh-huh. That could be the that feels like a theme for your show too. <laughs> the love that makes the shitty parts worth it. It's very toxic. <laughs> it's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> well, so that actually leads directly to the question next, which is what is the joy? What is the joy? Some of it sounds yeah. like it's live performance, but like what, tell us what it feels like to you to do this, that makes it worth all the shitty parts. Um, I love,
1: I love, I love it when I get on stage. I'll be so nervous right before, but as soon as I'm on stage, I can't explain it. Again, it's like what I'm saying about being a natural performer since I was a kid. Like I, once I'm on the stage, I'm at home. Like it's Mm -hmm. like being in a warm bed to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once I get my first laugh, then it's like the first little bit of dopamine. And Ah. then, and then you just kind of ride the wave. It's kind of like surfing, but with telling jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the moment is huge for me. Um, I think the most, so I'm going to say that for one joy, Another joy would obviously be after shows. I love talking to people and sharing experiences. I love hugging. Mm. I love giving out pens. I have pens with my website on them now. It's really fun (laughs) to hand out. Uh, So the human connection part afterwards is a huge part of it. Um, And then the other part, the other joyful thing that I get from my work that's difficult for me to address is collaboration. Because again, I'm an only child, I'm a Virgo, I love doing my own thing, Mm -hmm. but the most joy I've probably had from projects has been when I've been collaborating. If I've been working with someone on like my TV pilot or um, my cabaret show with a director, a music person, like when I'm working with other people, the collaboration is like, you can't beat that joy when there's other people, it's just, I don't know, it's scarier for me as a person who wants to do everything all by myself.
0: Uh Well, but unpack the joy a little bit. Like, what is it? Like, this is something that I talk about on this um, podcast a lot, because one of the pillars of great work is that you're doing it with cool people who share values with you. Yeah. What and it's hard to really describe the joy and the power and what actually you get out of collaboration. You can't get on your own. No,
1: it's spiritual. You can't, you can't, ex- I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to explain it, but it's hard to, you just, you feel mm-hmm. it in your gut and your soul when mm-hmm. you've created something. I think art exists outside of ourselves too. When you create it, it's like this entity that is no longer yours. It's like, it's been created with other people, but also through, um, I'm not religious, but I do believe in like divinity in the universe. And I think there's a lot of divinity that happens in creation too. Mm -hmm. And so it's something you can't really explain when you create something, especially with other people.
0: Right. That's the thing. It's like, you can't explain creation perhaps, but like, what is the feeling? Like, what's the, what do we get? when we're doing it with others instead of on our own. Like, can you describe that feeling? I've I, cannot. A hard time with it. <laughs> I don't know. Nope.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, there's no English language words um, to describe what that feels like. Yeah. It just feels correct. It's om- maybe, maybe like you're remembering who you really are um, ah. or something. Right, like other people show you parts of yourself that you have a mm-hmm. tendency to forget or overlook. Yeah, it's like a nice reminder
0: of, oh, yeah. Life can be beautiful. Hmm. You know, you also when you were talking about the the heart, the sort of beating heart of the creative work mm-hmm. needing to be strong in order for it to not to get off track. And when it's just you, right, you are, have to be fully confident in yourself. Yeah, I'm wearing a, a suit of armor confident. every day. Yeah. Whereas if you have collaborators, everybody mm-hmm. gets to take a piece of it so the the beating thank heart you for explaining it. that for me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah that's right I think it's really interesting because I totally think right that, that's part of it and I also I mean there's the obvious things that everyone talks about where it's like well they've got skills that you don't have and you have skills that they don't have But that always feels like it's really underselling collaboration too because it isn't really like well I'll do the details and you do the strategic. Yeah. Cause it's- I can do everything again. I represent right.
1: myself right now. I'm being my own agent too. Mm-hmm. I can do it all. I was the person in the group project who did everything and let people sign their names, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's deeper than that.
0: Yeah. And it's hard when you're kind of a natural lone wolf or have mm-hmm. a history of doing it all yourself. You're like, well, pff, why would I? And it is really only once you have that real magical experience where you're like, whoa. Yeah. This you can't, un-
1: yeah. You can't pretend that, that kind of joy doesn't exist. That's why I said that it's hard for me to come to terms with the fact that like the biggest joy I've had for my creative career has been collaborative. And it's like, mm-hmm. but that's not my job. I'm a comedian. I'm a stand-up comedian. That's my job. And that's all by myself.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can, I can build, I can build on that. Yeah. Right. Who's the, the point of life is not to stand still doing the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, I would love for people to be able to see some of your work. How can they learn more about you? And if they have, I mean, you do events also, right? So if they wanted to book you, they could do that. How does it work? How can oh, we yeah. learn more about you?
1: <laughs> book me. Um, <laughs> to my so room. my website is your best resource. It's just my name, LaurenHopeCrass.com. Mm-hmm. That's K with a K as in King, K-R-A-S-S. Mm-hmm. Um, that is oh, also my Instagram. Instagram. Of course handle yeah post it in the thing Mm -hmm. um I love my Instagram Lauren Hope Crass as well um yeah and uh that's also my email (laughs) Lauren Hope Crass at Gmail so oh is it okay that's those are just remember Lauren Hope Crass and you will find me um and I will entertain you.
0: Awesome. And your website has a bunch of videos that we can watch.
1: There's a couple videos. I don't give it all away for free. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a calendar of local events if you're local to New York City. So I do a lot of the clubs and bars and stuff like that. So um, if you're local, come out and see a show.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really think that a lot of people are having new thoughts after hearing you talk.
1: Oh gosh, I know I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for coming.
1: Thanks, Amanda.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Unleashing Your Great Work. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out the Great Work Journals to get the support you need to get started, stay at it, and unleash your great work out into the world.